I'm Jenna. Hello, I'm Gloria. We We are are Worthy Worthy Wellness. Because we are worth it. Our purpose is to introduce women entrepreneurs, products, and services while proceeds help women in need for holistic care and therapy services. Welcome, ladies. Good morning, everyone. Today, we have on our podcast, uh, we have the pleasure of interviewing Gia Pacheco Cardenas, attorney at law. Gia is practicing with the law firm of George P. Pacheco and Associates out of Los Angeles. Gia is a member of the United States District Courts of California Bar Association. She's also a member of the Los Angeles County Bar Association, Beverly Hills Bar Association, Mexican American Bar Association, and the Whittier Bar Association, where she has served as treasurer, secretary, vice president, and past president. She now serves as an advisor to the board. She is also acting secretary of the Montebello Police Canine Association, a nonprofit group dedicated to helping find resources for the Montebello Police Department Canine Unit. Gia, it's a pleasure to have you here today. I'm so excited to have you. How are you this morning? Good morning, Gloria. Good morning, Jenna. I am very great, thank you. I'm very excited to be here to share um, some legal pearls of wisdom. Wonderful. And Jenna's with us this morning. Good morning, Jenna. Good morning. That was an amazing introduction. Is there anything that you would like to add, Gia, that we would like the listeners to know about you? Um, So two things. I'm coming up on my 10-year anniversary of practicing, and um, I always said that I would reflect back on the 10-year mark, and I can't honestly say that I've chosen a more rewarding career. So I wanted to add that. And then second, um, fun fact is uh, Jenna Hughes Goodman is my sorority sister. So that's how we were able to connect. And, you know, we've been friends for, I want to say, back to 2005, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Wow. Whittier yeah. College. Wow. Ooh, poet. Yeah. Nice, nice lady. Congratulations to you both for um, doing such an amazing thing um, for the community. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Um, do you, I was just going to ask Gia, can you tell us a little bit of, a little bit more about yourself this morning? Um, yeah, so I am I'm obviously an attorney. Um, I've been practicing for going on 10 years. I have, uh, prior to that, about 10 years in family law paralegal experience. Um, I grew up in a law firm. It was my life, um, even from answering the phones to, you know, drafting full-on motions and brief. I was doing that, you know, at a very, very young age. So that said, law school was like the next best thing for me. And I practiced alongside my father. Um, my brother is the paralegal. We are a family-run business. And um, there's never a dull moment in my job. I handle general practice matters, um, but specifically emphasize um, family law, estate planning, probate, trust litigation, and um, I do some real estate and civil matters as well. I have a property management background. Um, I was a manager of properties for about 15 years, I wanna say, approximately. And so that was able to be useful in my eviction, um, defense and and, and plaintiff side of my practice. Uh, So that's kind of a summary of what I do. I mostly get referrals for family law because it is my passion. It is my passion. So. I love that. So now I'm going to ask you, <clears throat> excuse me, um, 
Tell me some fun facts about you. Some fun facts. Um, so I just got married on October 1st of 2022. Um, Yay. <laughs> never thought I would get married, but you know, uh, it's funny when you least expect it, it happens. And I married my, <laughs> excuse me, I married my childhood um, best friend. So wow, um, that's wonderful. Yeah, so we reconnected years later. I have a daughter who's um, 11. She'll be 12 in a few weeks. And um, she's my miracle baby. And I have uh, three stepchildren, um, my son, Zachariah, and um, two stepchildren, Genevieve and Alexander. So together, we're a blended family. We make a full house. Um, but it's it's very rewarding. And I life is happy right now. Wonderful. Okay. Aww, and congratulations on you. your recent wedding. Thank you. As a newlywed. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know what that's like, right, Jenna? <laughs> yes. We're both in the same boat and we are excited for you guys to go on your honeymoon too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, we had to cancel that three times. I was telling Jenna, Gloria, um, not to get off topic, but um, eventually it'll happen, you know, um, in its time. So. Yeah, the pandemic has made some changes for us, but we are adapting. Yeah. So as you know, we are Worthy Wellness and we let the listeners know about some wellness tips sometimes and products and services as applicable to women in need. Do you have any tips for wellness by any chance? <laughs> as far as um, uh, winter wellness, and I'm, I wanna kind of stay focused on um, maybe the family law aspect of it, right? Um, many people have already resolved to um, change their life and maybe make some big, important decisions, right? Maybe leaving a bad situation. Maybe it's time finalizing a divorce or, you know, um, it's time I start, you know, obtaining custody for my children. Either way, um, whatever it is that you resolve to do, and if you do decide to handle any legal matters this year, I strongly suggest you start meditating and start focusing on your self-care. Um, and the reason I say that is because going through something like that is almost like going through a death and a grieving process, right? You're shedding the old you and you're coming in and requesting orders for, you know, to get the new you going, right? And um, I, I think it's really important that you approach it with um, some ability to be able to just regulate your emotions. Because when you fight for something like defending yourself or protecting yourself, it's a very subjective experience and it's very exhausting. And if you don't have the appropriate care, it's easy to go into a black hole. And I know because I see this from you know experience with clients who have who haven't been able to pull themselves out of this quote unquote black hole, right? So that's where you both come in. Um, I do strongly suggest to my clients that they seek services such as the ones that you and Gloria offer. And um, uh, that, that would be my best tip for winter wellness um, with the legal twist on it, so to speak. Thank you so much. I love how we're tying it in and making it applicable. And as you know, when it comes to healing and wellness, it's a holistic approach, whether it's for therapy services, holistic care, and then the legal aspect. So thank you so much. And would you like to emphasize on the services applicable that you can offer for women in need when it comes to these legal services? Right. So 
I, you know, the, the term women in need, it's very, it's very broad, right? Um, I, if I narrow it down to, let's say you're, you're a, a, a victim of domestic violence, I can offer um, through my practice representation for filing uh, the domestic violence restraining orders. You know, believe it or not, a lot is often looked at the protected party. There's also people who have filed um, what they call frivolous, you know, domestic violence claims against women as well. And so I can also defend women who have been wrongfully accused of domestic violence. There's um, um, there's a, a huge abuse of the system. It's very sad when you find a situation where um, someone has filed it just to gain a competitive advantage in court. Um, and when I say it, the restraining order to get a competitive advantage in court over custody, visitation, and just the person of the other. Um, it kind of dilutes the message, right? So services that I provide is let's sit down, let's have a talk, and let's go over your whole um, relationship with this other person. And I need you know, to know pretty much specific incidents and specific events that have taken place uh, for me to effectively provide service. Now, sometimes that's not easy. So I rely on, on um, providers such as yourselves to, to help me facilitate that dialogue because it could be a very traumatic experience. Like I said earlier, it's very subjective. Um, I have had situations where I'm placing my client on the stand to testify in their pursuit of a, a restraining order. And when they hear the other party speak, they just shut down. So my goal is to let's get you to a place where we can have a dialogue and I can, I can do, it, it helps me better my representation. If I know this whole story and I know these specific incidences. Um, and, you know, I, an attorney really needs to know because a domestic violence restraining order, and I'm talking your 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 um, request between a party who's been in a relationship or a husband wife relationship, that that's the focus of of, of what I mean right now. Um, somebody like that, you know, has to have very specific incidents. So um, you have to have an attorney that knows the code, knows. Um, the, the changes in the code to, to the domestic violence law and really knows the, the standard of proof and, and how to get your evidence in um, to effectively represent you. Um, I, I think that's that's the kind of service I can provide to, to women in need. Great, and for your services, I know that there's fear involved or perhaps a limitation on on having money and funds to be able to hire an attorney, how can you speak to those that are a bit hesitant for attorney services? So if money is an issue, um, you know, I know there's this, this idea out there that, oh, lawyers are expensive. Lawyers are, you know, they just want to take your money. There, there's a really whole stigma, uh, you know, when it comes to an attorney. And I get it. There's a lot of bad attorneys also who have ruined the game for us, right? Um, so to that to that end, there's so many resources out there. Um, you know, there's self-help clinics. There's the Domestic Violence Restraining Order Clinic at Stanley Moss Courthouse if you're in LA County. Um, you know, even just a consultation 
will kind of bring everything together and, and you know, you can find out the process of how it works. Now, um, I can take you through the, the filing process if that's, if, if you guys are okay with that. Um, normally, let's say you consult with the attorney and let's say you hire said attorney. The attorney also can determine whether they're um, able to obtain attorney fees from the aggrieved party. Um, there's statutory fees that, that may result depending on the relationship. And um, so that, that could be obtained too. It's just a matter of filling out the appropriate forms, right? So when you fill out the appropriate forms, you have to keep in mind the domestic violence um, family law code. And that includes, you know, have there been any acts um, by the other party that constitute, um, you know, abuse and abuse is defined as molesting, attacking, striking, stalking, threatening, sexually assaulting. There's a whole laundry list, right? Battering, impersonating, and those are all um, found in Family Code Section 6320. Now, in 2020, the law changed and the legislatures added what they call um, dis disturbing the peace of the other party as um, a way to be abused right, as, as it, it's almost like they brought in this concept of it doesn't always have to be physical. It doesn't always have to be verbal. It could be the form of coercive control. So this is your abuser um, isolating you, um, making you entirely dependent on you, gaslighting you, um, there's, it's like I said earlier, it's a very subjective experience as to what coercive control can be because coercive control can be one thing for me and another thing for you, Jenna, another thing for you, Gloria. It, 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 it could mean, you know, it depends how susceptible you are. So that said, we have to make sure that we have those facts in there and that as an attorney, it's really difficult. I can't tell you how the most difficult part of my representation of domestic violence victims is getting the whole story because by the time they come to me there has been so much that has gone on that it's hard to really focus right it's hard to really pinpoint on that one you know the, the many specific incidents of abuse and when you look at the forms that you fill out they give you you know a cover sheet to get into court for you know that establishes jurisdiction they give you a petition and in that petition, you have to define the relationship, you know, your name, states of birth, all of that information about the other party. And then you'd have to go into each specific instances of abuse and literally discuss, okay, on this time, on this date, I was abused. How were you abused? Then you discuss, you know, your 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 details about the abuse. And then you describe, is there any, were there any witnesses? And there were the police called, was there any other kind of injury? So it's a very detailed process. And like I said, the most important part is the ability to be able to take the intake from the domestic violence victim to make sure that your petition is filled out correctly and that you have your day in court. So when your petition is filled out correctly, you file it with the court and the court will give you some kind of temporary order. That's a big, that's a big, big, big decision right there because that's going to determine are you are there facts enough to warrant a temporary restraining order in the meantime while you're waiting for the permanent hearing? Permanent hearing is, you know, within statutory time, um, has to take place. So 
that can give you a move out order. At that time, that temporary order can give you custody and visitation orders. Um, and, you know, any kind of other financial orders that you request at the time or property control. Now, another added nuance is, um, do you have uh, enough? Uh, so when you get to the hearing, the permanent hearing, you have to show by a preponderance of evidence, <clears throat> meaning a slight tipping of the scales, um, you know, if there was actual abuse that occurred. And the abuse would be, again, the ones that I listed earlier, molesting, attacking, stalking, battering, impersonating a person. And they just added, like I had mentioned, coercive control. So again, I cannot stress enough how important it is to have everything lined up when you see an attorney because you wanna utilize the resources and the time and expenses, uh, expenses correctly and not, um, not waste time on trying to piece together everything. Also very important are any kind of reports made, call logs, any kind of incident reports, police reports. Um, even if it's documented with um, a clergyman or a therapist, that all helps to corroborate because it most more often than not we see in these situations, it's a he said, she said situation. And I get a lot of situations where there's been years of coercive control um, by the you know by the by by the victim and they haven't reported it and when you get to court it's really easy to impeach someone who is unsure and you know if the if the if the responding party lawyers up you know they they have their opportunity to cross examine and the he said she said situations are really difficult um so that's why you know everything is fair game text messages emails social media posts and and um anything that can corroborate that there's been abuse so i hope i i answered your question i just kind of went on a long long segue there that's okay so as a host i try to recap or maybe confirm you know the information that you're saying so the first approach is to have a consultation with you and then it's the filing process. Is that my understanding of Correct. the start? Correct. Okay. Well, the consultation and then the intake process, then the filing process. The intake process is what is most important. That's the evidence gathering process. Okay. So then you help guide that process in gathering the evidence of what's allowed, what's not. So the emails, the text messages, any type of, you know, could journaling. So I know it sounds like these experiences are incidents based. So maybe journaling the time that it happened and what type of abuse happened. Would you advise that, that that's something that they should start to do is to keep some kind of log or journal or to help clarify their thoughts and incidents? Is, is that kind of what you go over in the consultation and the intake to guide that process? Yeah, yeah, and within the ability to do so, some, some people, some domestic violence victims that I've encountered and clients that I've encountered can't even keep um, notes in their phone because they're being um, watched or followed or monitored or tracked. So even if it's just a, um, a discussion, like I said, with a third party, um, to document it with the doctor, um, mm -hmm. you know, where it's confidential. Um, anything you can just to to corroborate. Documentation is key. Um, Most definitely. Again, I'm not dissuading anyone 
someone who doesn't have any documentation or any evidence. You still you still have your declaration, which is signed under penalty of perjury, stating that this happened. Um, and the problem is you got to get to court and prove that up. It shouldn't dissuade anyone from from going to court, though, um, if you're in a, in a situation that that's that's um, very very you know delicate. So like you were mentioning, you know, reporting to the doctor, any mandated reporters. So I've experienced in practice as a therapist, some cases where I have that authority to then report if abuse that I've witnessed or there's evidence there. So are you saying that if they ever come across that opportunity with a professional to then speak forward and then that's a form of evidence because that is the third party. It could be, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's okay. a good that's a good example. That is a good okay. Example. Yeah. And also, what would you like to tell the listeners if they are in fear, in fear of speaking out to anyone because of their safety? Um, what type of protection or legal matters could you say is appropriate and not allowing fear to take over to to not take these steps it, it's it's easy yeah i mean like i said it's such a subjective experience um the only thing i could say is that there is remedy um in all the situations that i've seen in you know in my years of experience with filing um domestic violence restraining order requests um the abusers do have to stand up and do have to face a judge. Um, and when you see that happen and take place, it's almost some kind of like um, come to moment where you realize that that person isn't any Jesus or any kind of God. You know what I'm saying? Um, they will have to answer to someone, whether it be police officers, a judge, an attorney who's cross-examining them, um, you know, there are people who will protect you. There are resources out there like the domestic violence hotline. Um, I know you have some resources on your website from what I, from what I recall. And um, as far as fear, you, you're just going to have to take the next step. Cause if you continue having that fear of taking the next step, then you're going to keep in the, in the situation that you're in. And I have um, one active case right now. If, um, I don't know if it's too early for me to share that anecdotal case that I have. Um, okay, definitely. Sure. So um, I'm going to call her Allison for um, just to protect her name. But um, she was in a long-term marriage. She came into the marriage with children. And she became financially and emotionally dependent on her husband. Her husband was well-established in the city of Downey and had you know various properties had two businesses and um was really really a prominent person i should say you know so she was afraid of him and he started abusing her one year into the marriage and one year into the marriage she started realizing you know what he was doing he was controlling her credit cards controlling her money um even though the children were her children he would gaslight them and make them turn against her. Um, there was a situation where they had a huge fight and he hit her so hard that he broke her her, her jaw. And he was arrested uh, for domestic violence and he was taken to jail, did his time. And she 
obtained the restraining order and they filed criminal charges against him. And when it came time to testify, Allison changed her story. And Allison went on um, under oath and lied and said that she wasn't abused. It was all an accident. Um, you know, she fell and, you know, the transcript was pretty disturbing because it was complete opposite of what the police report said. The jury in that situation, well, let me back up a little. So in order to testify, um, her husband promised her the sun, moon, stars. If you, if you testify and say that I didn't do this to you, I'm going to give you, you know, a new home and, you know, diamonds and money and vacations and blah, blah, blah. You're going to hurt my business. We're not going to have any money. You're going to be left on the street. Um, so, so, you know, Allison said, I'm not, I'm, it's too much to risk. I have three children. What am I doing? He's going to lose everything. I'm going to lose everything. I have nowhere to go. Her parents are immigrants that don't have, you know, citizenship papers. They were, you know, working um, less than minimum wage jobs at the time. So she stayed with him. She changed her story and the jury didn't buy it. And I think this goes also to your question earlier about fear. Um, even though she got up to testify and change her story, the jury still found that he was an abuser. So he was charged. He did his time. And Allison stayed with him. And flash forward five years later, you know, another major incident, some little incidents have been occurring in between the time that he was charged and, and um, the, the, the last straw. I call it the last straw because that was the last time that she had contact with him. Um, during that time, she, he allowed his children from another relationship to abuse her. Um, he allowed his son to slap her and her, his daughter beat her up at a family outing and nothing was done. No police were called or anything like that. Um, so the last straw incident, he finally grabbed her head and bashed it inside a car and she suffered permanent damage as a result of that. She has, um, she had to see, oh God, I can't say the word, maxillofacial surgeon or something like that. She had to see a surgeon related to plastic surgery and related to the, to, to the, to the facial bones. Um, she's currently in therapy and has been in for three years. Um, this time she did leave him and she did file the restraining order. We were successful getting her property control, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and that means that she was able to stay in her house um, because she had nowhere to go. So we were able to uh, you know, show that, you know, that was, she was home, she had her three children there and it would be better for him to move. So we were able to obtain a move out order. Um, there was also um, several other hearings. So there was the divorce hearing, there was the um, restraining order hearing in that situation. And then because he had a professional license, she had to go through the professional license hearing. And another criminal charge was brought against him because her abuser, um, violated the restraint, the temporary restraining order at least four or five times. I'm talking, would show up to the gym where she worked out. Um, you know, he would send flowers to her, um, with, you know, just one word on the card and, um, he evicted her parents and threw their stuff on the street. Um, so he was, he was, he was disturbing it because he had gotten away with it before. It was almost like he was above the law. So 
Um, he was arrested for violation of the restraining order. And we are currently up for the permanent restraining order. So they issued her the permanent restraining order, but it expires this year. So we are pleading the, to the court that the restraining order she was issued in the criminal matter is going to expire next year. And we're asking for a permanent order for life because of the severity of the violations and because he was he was arrested for violations. So that's an that that's a story that um, that's one of my most significant domestic violence restraining order stories because of the length of time that passed and she allowed him to do this to her. But it took a long time for Allison to um, to finally heal herself. And, you know, now she's empowered. She's going through counseling. She's going through her medical, um, you know, appointments, you know, trying to trying to fix what was broken on her face. And um, she's become stronger and stronger every day. Every time I talk to her, she's stronger. So that's one of my stories. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Thank you very much for, for sharing the case. And I, I feel that this case kind of shows different parts of, you know, restraining order, the process, what a victim survivor faces, how they maybe go in and out of it. And I feel like this is a is a good example and case to explain this full lengthy process. So thank you for sharing that. And it's good to have the listeners hear from you because sometimes we never get to experience or hear about these cases because it is confidential and it is within the own person's case. So this is good that we have this podcast to share and that there is resources out there and that you are going to get Gia's contact information for legal advice. You can also seek my services for therapy services or for DV advocates, and then for holistic care through Gloria's nonprofit. So thank you so much for being a guest on our episode today. And this is um, anything else that you want to add, um, Gloria? Yeah, I mean, co-host. I, I just want to thank Gia today. I was listening intently because that was some wonderful information that you shared. Uh, very informative. I know it's going to resonate with a lot of our listeners um, because, you know, they're out there and they don't want to come forward. But if they know that they've got, um, they've got attorneys like you that are kind and willing to work and understanding and know the process, that's going to make a lot of difference with a lot of women and men. So I'm really grateful for you. Um, just coming on today. And um, gee, I just wanted to ask you, you have a gratitude offering. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? What you're going to be offering your gratitude offering for our listeners? Sure. sure. And um, thank you for having me. I do appreciate you both um, believing in me and my, my, my discussion today. Um, I had offered the gratitude offering a discounted consultation for any of your clients of um, who are going through domestic violence situations. So um, do you want me to provide the contact info? Yes, or? I was going to ask you okay. if you'd be so kind as just to let our listeners know how they can contact you. That would be wonderful. Sure, sure. So um, I work with the law offices of George B. Pacheco and Associates. 
Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's a family-run firm, and we both have experience in the matters of family law and domestic violence restraining orders. Uh, my Our phone number is 323-726-1082. Uh, our website is www.gbp, the number four, law.com. And, um, you know, they can contact, you know, they can go through the website and submit an email or um, clients can call the phone number and just okay. ask to set up a discounted consultation. They do have to mention All Care. Mm -hmm. um, and is there another organization that they should mention, Gloria? They can go ahead and just mention um, Worthy Women Warriors or they can work uh, Worthy Wellness. Worthy Wellness or mm -hmm. Worthy Women Warriors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and my office will know that, you know, that they were Mm -hmm. um, sent by yeah. by this podcast and by the podcast. Uh, yeah. discounted consultation 50% off okay um, and, I, and I put half off because um, sometimes our consultations change over time so um, I think I think at, at this point any help any assistance um, they can get they will be more than grateful to have so I think that's wonderful thank you thank you and when it comes to finances and our charity events for nonprofits that's where the funding, the fundraisers come into play. And we we don't want finances to be the limitation of getting help. So please seek out our services and we can help with funding mm -hmm. if that is something you're needing help with to seek this consultation and, and to start this process. So thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Gia. Thank, thank you, you, Jenna. It was a pleasure to have you on our podcast this morning with all your wonderful information. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me ladies and, and continue the fight. Thank you. you. Okay. Thank you everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jenna. I wish everyone a blessed and beautiful day today. If you're also a woman entrepreneur to support our cause and would like to be considered on this podcast, please reach out to us. We would love to connect. We see you. We want to connect, empower, and inspire others. So please call or text or even fax 949-793-8781 or our Instagram is Worthy Wellness Inc. like I-N-C. Hope to hear from you and thank you for listening.